Praise the Lord. We've been talking lately about giving yourself away, and that's when you find yourself. A lot of people don't find themselves because they don't give themselves away. Bob Eileen, can't you confirm that when you're giving yourself away, that you're finding the greatest reward, the greatest joy? A lot of people hang on to themselves because they want joy, but they never find joy because they don't give themselves away. You get rewarded by your obedience. And I love one of the greatest rewards. One of the top ones is the joy we receive. Amen. We all like to be happy. Yeah. A few of you today like to be happy. The rest of you, y'all may have never experienced joy before. It says joy comes in the morning. Why? Probably because we put God first, and the first thing you do in the morning is say, Lord, here I am. You gave me another day, Lord. And not even another day to live, but another day to give myself away. Another day to reach people that are dying and going to hell and get them set free so they can have eternal life. You're, you are, are joy spreaders. Not COVID spreaders. Joy spreaders. Think about it, they talked about COVID spreading so fast. Obviously, we know a lot of that was a lie. But imagine if we spread the joy as quickly as they said COVID was going to spread. The whole world would have joy. Why would you find joy and just keep it? It's like the old song, hide it under a bushel. No, I'm going to let my, my light shine. The church has got to start letting their light shine. What's the use of having power and never using it? God didn't give you abilities and give you strengths and give you things so you could just hide it in a closet. Well, I'm just going to my prayer closet every day. Praise the Lord. Now, what are you doing when you get out of your prayer closet? Are you doing anything with what you've received? I mean, we do something when we receive in the natural realm. You receive finances. What do you do? You spend it. Say, well, I saved my money. Guarantee you spend some of it. So when you receive joy, what do you need to do? Give some of it away. Let somebody else have some joy. You know how much more joy you have when everybody around you has joy too? When you're around a bunch of miserable, upset, frustrated, Debbie Downers, Guess what? It starts getting you upset, frustrated, miserable, and becoming a Debbie Downer yourself. Why? Because things spread. So if what's spreading off of them spreads like wildfire, why don't we allow what God has given us begin to spread that way? Amen. People should get around you and get excited. People should get around you and their lives change. People should get around you and chains should get broken off of individuals' lives just from being in your presence. Not because of who you are, but who you have. Because the power that Christ has given you, 
because you have the Holy Spirit in your life that's, that's doing and transforming and doing a work in you and through you. A lot of individuals allow the work to be done in them but not through them. Others just want work to be done through them but never allow the work to be done in them. Let's say that part again. A lot of individuals allow the work to be done through them or they want work to be done through them, but they're never willing to first allow the work to be done in them. Well, I just want to change the world. Well, let's have some change take place in your life so you can change the world. But I just want to change the world. Well, great, but you're not going to be able to change the world until you first change yourself or let God change you. Well, I'm good enough. First of all, you ain't never good enough. But it says to work out that salvation which is in you. And if we're working it out, guess what? Things should start changing. It's a transformation process. How many of all know that today you ain't the same person you were the day that you got saved? Why? Because things are changing all the time. And if things aren't changing, you're doing something wrong. And people say, well, I guess I'm just never going to get it. No, do something different. Stop doing the same thing you've always done because obviously it isn't working. Sometimes it's just about change. Well, I get up every morning, I go to work, I do my job, I come home, I sleep, I go to church on Sunday, I go to church on Friday, I help with this, I help with that, but my life isn't changing. Well, where's the God time? Where's the relationship? Coming into church isn't, isn't a relationship. It's to get fired back up so that you can get out and grow your relationship greater with the Lord. It's to get strengthened and encouraged to go out and do what God's called you to do. How many of y'all know that by Friday, sometimes that joy that you had on Monday ain't as strong as it was? So what happens? You come back in on Sunday, you get filled back up, so you got some more joy and some more encouragement to get back in there. So people can come in the house of God and get transformed, get delivered, get healed well pastors just doesn't work for me the only reason i'm gonna tell you right now the only reason it doesn't work for you is because you're not putting in the work you're not allowing god to do something in your life you're not surrendering and saying yes lord because anytime i've ever heard someone say god the god thing or the religious thing or whatever doesn't work for me what i say is well then try the relationship thing and if it isn't working, get the relationship stronger. Guess what? When your marriage isn't working, you know what helps the marriage? Get the relationship stronger. Get the relationship stronger. And when you get the relationship stronger, things begin to change. Guess what? When your relationship with your spouse isn't working, get it strong, guess what? More joy comes in that relationship, doesn't it? But when it ain't going good, when you start distancing yourself, the joy starts getting removed. And we start looking at that same aspect with God, that the closer we get to him, the more joy we have. Why? We've already got enough joy. God's already giving us enough. But the problem is, when we're too close to the world rather than him, the world's sucking that joy out of us. So all of a sudden, when we're eliminating more of the world and we're getting closer to God, all of a sudden things start changing in our lives. We're going, wow, I'm not just getting sucked dry from the world, but I have more going in me than what's coming out of me. But so often we allow things to just get sucked out of us more than we allow getting poured 
into us. When you give yourself away, you begin to find that you were no one without Christ. But through him, you are more than you could have ever imagined. Your self-worth, listen, isn't defined by the world. It's defined by the word. Your self-worth isn't defined by the world. It's defined by the word and who Christ says that you are. Self-worth, here's the definition. It's the internal sense of being good enough or worthy of love and belonging from others. The internal sense of being good enough or worthy of love of being of belonging from others, self-worth. Here's what's incredible with Jesus. You don't have to have a self-worth to be loved by him. You don't even have to think that you're worthy enough. You don't have to be worthy enough. You don't have to be good enough. He loved you when you weren't. Therefore, he could give you the strength to become who he wants you to be. Because without his love, you could have never got to him. Without his love, you're never drawn to him. Without his love, you wouldn't be here today. Maybe you say, well, pastor, I don't even want to be here today. I'm waiting for service to be over. Can't wait to get out of here. Well, let me tell you, Jesus loved you enough to get you in these doors. He loved you enough to call you, he says, by name. He knows your name. So your self-worth is no longer, when you find Christ Jesus, your self-worth is no longer defined by the internal sense of being good enough or worthy of love and belonging from others. You begin to find your self-worth in Christ Jesus and who he says that you are. Because your self-worth isn't based on what people tell you or say about you or when you look in the mirror and what you think of yourself. Your self-worth is that Christ Jesus loved me enough that he died for me. He went on a cross and he rose again to give me life and give it more abundantly and to give me eternal life and forgive me of all my sins. I must be pretty worthy. And I must be worth a lot if Jesus would die for me. In his life, you're worth the world. So all of a sudden, when you find Christ Jesus, that self-worth begins to turn around. You realize, I am someone. Christ Jesus has given me an identity. He's given me a purpose. He's given me, a, as I always say, a reason to live and a reason to die. He's worth living for and he's worth dying for. You know, some people are looking for self-worth and they just haven't found it. Me and Brother Devon back there, we got a joke that we say, some people just wake up lying. <laughs> they do, they just wake up lying. But why? Because they're looking for self-worth. They're trying to, to make you think that there's someone that they're not. But what if they just find who they really are? It wouldn't even matter what other people thought that they are. I know who I am. I don't need you to tell me who you think that I am. I know that I am, and my, my self-worth and my identity doesn't come from who you say that I am or who you think that I am or what you feel about me, but it comes about who Christ says that I am and what Christ feels about me. Because let me tell you, the world can take your self-worth from you, but not if you find it in Christ Jesus. It can't be taken. Your identity isn't taken 
who you are in Him is all that you've ever wanted to be. It's all that you've needed to be. You don't have to try to prove it. If Jesus will love me, that's all that matters. The world can hate me as long as Jesus loves me. 1 Peter 4, 9-10. through 10. We read this last week. We'll start back out here. It says, be hospitable to one another without complaint. Won't go too much into that, but we said, do good. But stop complaining about it afterwards. As each one of you has received a special gift, you can watch last week's to know about that special gift. It says, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the multifaceted grace of God. Let's keep reading in verse 11. If anyone speaks, I'm sorry guys back there, I know you asked me multiple times for the scriptures. It says, if anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. And you say, what's that? Meaning utterance, the utterance of God. Let him speak through you. If anyone speaks, let, let God's word speak through you. And if anyone ministers, let him do it as with the ability the ability which God supplies. What's that? Let him do it with the strength that God gives him if he's going to minister. He's saying, don't do it by your own power. Don't do it by your own means. But you need the Holy Spirit in you so that you can go out and do exactly what God has called you to do with the power that he's called you to release when you're doing it. And he says this. He says, that in all things God may be glorified through Christ Jesus, to whom belong the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. He's saying do it with kindness. Use your gift that God gave you to serve him. We are designed to be servants. He's saying whatever you do, don't think of it as in your own power. Know that God is speaking and God is working through you and that he gives you the ability and the strength to do it. Therefore, he gets the glory. When you go out in your minister, you go out and you speak, allow God to speak through you. You don't have to be all creative in your own knowledge. You don't have to think that you're... I mean, I've seen some ministers with the most simple message... That literally where they've gone up and they've basically just said, Jesus loves you, Jesus died for you, he's willing to save you today, give your life to Jesus. The whole place is weeping and crying and the altars are filled and I'm going, what in the world just happened? There was five words, the simplest message I've ever heard in all my life and everybody is touched. Why? Because it wasn't by the power of man or what man says, but it was by God giving the utterance and God giving the ability and God giving the strength and God's power moving through them because they weren't speaking in their own power and their own strength, but through the power of the Almighty God that in the end, what happened? God got the glory because they knew it was nothing man said, but it was all about God. And sometimes we feel like we've got to have this, this message that's so intriguing and this message that's this and that. And sometimes it comes out that way. Praise the Lord. But you know what you need more than that is the power of God released when you're speaking and God giving the utterance that will begin to change the lives of everyone around you. 
And all of a sudden, when you begin to allow God flow and you begin to allow God move and you allow God to do what God wants to do, next thing you know, God's getting the glory and man's not and lives are being changed and chains are being broken and people are being filled with joy and the glory of God is falling in the house and lives are being changed and they're saying, God, this could have only happened by you and you alone and no man can get the credit. And God is looking that God can move and God can get the credit. And this is what he's saying. He says that God will speak through you. If anyone ministers, let God's strength do it. Let God supply it. That in all things that you do, that God will be glorified through Jesus Christ because he deserves the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. And I ask you today, are you allowing God to do it? Or are you trying to do it? When God does something, are you trying to take the credit or give it to God? So often people get this whole fake humility. Oh, look what God's done. But really in their head they're saying, look what I just did. Look what I did. Tell you what, you can't do nothing to change the, the internal being of someone without the Holy Spirit. You can talk to your blue in the face. You can give every dollar that you have. But it's not going to change a life for God unless God's doing it. It says no man comes to him first unless he's first been drawn by him. He draws you to him. And God's got to do the work. But you know what God does? God allows us to be a vessel to be used by him. God, God allows us to be an instrument. I mean, look at these, these instruments up here, right? You look at these instruments, and they may look beautiful. They may have some great sound out of them, but the sound doesn't come from them. The sound comes from who's playing them. It has no power unless someone else is using the instrument. Without someone else that has the strength to use them, they can't do anything, and they can't make a sound. So it can't get the credit when the worshipers are up here playing, you never go, man, oh, that guitar just did such a great job today. Man, I just can't believe how awesome that keyboard did today. It did such a, a phenomenal job. It was a great keyboard. Man, keyboard, keep it up. Nobody comes up after service and tells the keyboard how great of a job it did. Nobody tells the microphone and the speakers, you did an awesome job today. Why? Because it has nothing to do with it. It's who is playing it, who's giving it the power. And if we begin to understand, we're just an instrument for God to use. And as foolish as it would look to give the credit to the keyboard or the guitar, it's just as foolish to give us the credit when God's playing us or using us or working through us. I mean, doesn't it sound foolish? So why in the world can we give ourselves a pat on the back or think we're doing such a great job when God's saying, it ain't you, it's me working through you? And then all of a sudden, it's easier to find your identity in him because you know that without him, this is all that you are. This is all that you are without him. You're sitting there dormant with no power, doing nothing, trying to look pretty. 
But is this changing anyone's lives? It doesn't change anyone's lives until they're being played, until they're being used, until someone that knows, listen, someone that knows how to use them. If I get up here and play these, oh, dear Jesus. Maybe I'll play Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star. I can do hot cross buns and three blind mice. I mean, they're the exact same song, but nobody needs to know that. I'll sing them differently when I play it. But here's the deal. It, it, it doesn't change a life if someone is using it that doesn't know how to use it. And let me tell you today that you don't know how to use your life. God does. And even in your life, you may feel as if you're, you're nothing. You may feel as if you can't do anything. You may feel as if, if you're just sitting there and, and your life, you have no self-worth and you feel as if, if you just can't get it right and you can't do it. And God's saying today, because the right person isn't playing it. Because the right person isn't in control. Because the right person isn't on the instrument using it the way that it's supposed to be used. We were never designed to be used without God. We were never designed to be apart from God. When we're apart from God, what happens is we feel naked, just as Adam and Eve did in the garden. When we're apart from God, we hide ourselves because we feel like we have no self-worth. When, when we're apart from God, we're running and we're, we're trying to clothe ourselves and trying to cover ourselves up, and, and we feel ashamed in the presence of God. But all of a sudden, in the midst of it, when we come to Jesus and we say, Jesus, take this off of me, Lord. Jesus, take my sins away. Forgive me of my sins. And we say, I need you. I need a Savior. Come into my life and play me the way that I'm supposed to be played, God. It says to humble yourself. What does that mean to say? I realize this is all I am. I realize that I can't do anything on my own. I realize that if I try to try to play me, if I try to, to be something, if I try to do this, all that those around me is hearing is a bunch of terrible noise. But when I allow the one that knows how to, to do it all, use me, all of a sudden, to those around me, I sound like beautiful music. All of a sudden now, in my weakness, what's their weakness is they can't be played on their own. In my weakness, I have been made strong. How am I made strong? Because now he who knows how to use it, he who's designed it, he who's made it, has been made for his purpose and his design, and therefore I can begin to do exactly what Christ has called me to do because I have the power to do it. And this is why the world is lost. This is why the world has no identity. This is why the world is going through an identity crisis right now. This is why the world can't figure out what gender they are. This is why on, I just read yesterday that, that on uh, birth certificates now, a lot of them in different states aren't putting male and female or father and mother. Why? Because there's an identity crisis. Why? Because people have been trying to be people without having the power to be who they've been called to be. They've been looking for a self-worth and been looking for a dot, an identity in things that can't help them do it. I, I mean, I would get on the guitar right now, but Heath might yell at me. Because <laughs> he'll say, you know what? You don't know how to use it. You could break it. You're not using it properly. It's going to sound bad to everyone around. You could destroy it. You could mess it up. But here's what's awesome. When someone knows how to use it, guess what they can do? They can fix it. 
So you may have been trying to be you all by yourself until now. You may have messed it up. You may be here today saying, I'm a mess, I'm broken, it's all a mess. I don't even know what to do with it anymore. All God's looking for you to do is say, you see that? Now I can fix it. Now I can fix it. I can mess up the strings on this guitar. I, I could get it all a mess. It could sound horrible. And guess what? When someone that knows how to use it grabs a hold of it and says, you know what? Let me fix it. But you know what I got to do? I got to let go. I've got to let go and let he who knows what to do do what he knows how to do. And he has the power to do it. And all of a sudden he can restring it. He can make all things new. And this is what Christ says about you. He makes all things new in your life. So you may be broken today, you may be hurt today, you may feel like you have no self-worth, you may feel like you don't know what your identity is, you may not know who you are in Christ Jesus, but Christ isn't trying to get you to figure it out on your own. He's saying, if you'll just put your life in my hands, I can make all this possible. If you'll just let me do it, I can change it all around. I can do something. He's like, but I want you to know I get the glory. And when you try to take it back in your hands, you'll mess it up again. But when you try to take it back in your hands, mess it up again, he goes, I can still fix it again. And I still love you. And I can still bring you back home. And I can still fix you. And even if you put it back in your hands again, guess what? I can still make beautiful music out of it once again. Because it's not about refurbishing. It's about making all things new. Y'all still with me today? Amen. Amen. Romans 1.11. It says, For I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift so that you may be established huh you may be established so i looked up the word established i'm like established in what looked up the word established it comes from the greek word sterizo s t e r i z o meaning that you may be strengthened and turned listen strengthened and turned purposely in an unwavering manner in a certain direction so, for I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gifts that you may be what? That you may be strengthened and turned purposely in an unwavering manner in a certain direction. He says, I'm going to give you some spiritual gifts here that it's going to strengthen you and it's going to turn you in the direction God has called you to turn and in an unwavering manner that it's going to give you the strength to keep going in that direction and the direction God has called you to be that you won't fall to the left and you won't fall to the right and you won't backtrack and you won't look back but you'll continue to go in that direction with the strength that God has given you to do exactly what God has called you to do. And so often God calls us in a certain direction, but we feel we can't do it, so we never go in that direction he's calling us. But he's saying, I am giving you the strength to do it, not only to do what I've called you to do, but to do it in an unwavering manner. To do it with strength, to continue going on and not falling out of it over and over again. He says, I'm saying, I'm imparting these things into you so that you can do it. And we must realize today who we are isn't the same man we once were. You may say, well, I wasn't able to do it before. Or I failed before. I was a Christian and I failed. He's saying, but listen, maybe you got off track, but God has given you the strength to not waver again. God has given you the strength to get back up. You need Jesus. You need the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you, ditch the old mentality and grab a hold of who you are in Christ. The old mentality says, I can't do it. 
The old mentality says, I can't go forward. The old mentality says, I tried and I failed. I tried and I failed. I tried again and I failed. I ain't no idiot. I ain't trying again. When you know what God's saying, just get back up. Stop trying and let me. Stop trying and let me. We've got to ditch the old mentality. I think about the walls of Jericho. Joshua, they marched around them day after day after day after day. After the third time, the old mentality would have said, I'm done. Obviously, I missed it. I missed it. It ain't happening. I'm not doing it. But if God called you to it, keep doing it. Keep doing it until he says stop. Keep doing it until he gives you another direction. What does God call me to do? To do it. At a, at a, a revivalist one time, he goes, you know what God called me to preach? He said he called me to preach revival. He goes, you know why I haven't stopped preaching revival? Because God didn't tell me to do anything different. Because people ask me, why do I still preach on revival? He goes, because that's what God told me to preach on. He goes, well, why don't you change the message? Because God didn't tell me to change it. So until he tells me to change it, he says, I'm going to keep preaching on revival. Romans 12, 3 through 8, it says, For I say, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. Huh, let's stop there for a moment. Through the grace given to me, listen, not my grace, but the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to. What's he saying? He said, listen, this isn't about you. This isn't your strength. This isn't your power. This has been given to you by him. So this is nothing that you've even earned. You haven't even been good enough to earn this. He says, just listen. He says, don't think more highly of yourself, but know that it's of God. He says, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each a measure of faith. What you have, God dealt it to you. For as we have many members in one body, but all of the members do not have the same function. So we, being many, are in one body in Christ, an individual member of one another. Having then gifts, look at all these scriptures talking about your gifts, gifts differing according to the grace that has been given to us. Let us use them. Listen, if it's a gift, it's not something you purchased. If it's a gift, it's not something that you got. If it's a gift, it's what someone else paid the price for and gave to you. That's what a gift is. So listen, he says, don't think so highly because this has been given to you. He says, but what you have been given, use it. Don't try to use someone else's gift. Stay in your lane because it's a whole body. If everybody gets out of their lane, we got a mess. It says, if it's prophecy, let us prophesy in portion to our faith. Don't go above where your faith is. It says, or ministry, let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching. What is he saying? Man, if you're a teacher, don't get out of your lane and try to be a prophet. If you're ministering, don't worry if you don't feel like you're as good of a teacher. You're the minister. He says, he who exhorts in exhortation. He who gives with liberality. And he who leads, do it with diligence. He who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Listen, church, whatever you do, 
do it well. Whatever you do, I'm not telling you to do it perfectly, but do it with excellence. In anything that God has given you to do, anything at all, he says, even when you work, work as if you're working unto God. As we read earlier, what, without complaining. So all of a sudden we go back to 4.10. Be hospitable to one another without complaint. Be good to one another without complaint. Work as if you're working unto God. Therefore, we'll be good to those because we're working unto God. So as I'm working unto God, do it without complaint. How many of y'all do your job every day and you never complain about it? You don't complain about your pay. You don't complain about your coworkers. You don't complain about your employees. You don't complain about your boss. You don't complain about the work. I mean, it's kind of weird I didn't see a single hand go up. But this is what he's saying. He's like, yeah. I believe what he's telling us here. He's like, here, listen, in everything you do, do it cheerfully. In everything that you do, will you show me in it? If one moment this instrument sounds really good, and the next moment it sounds terrible, guess what? You're going to look at it and say, that thing isn't working right. There's something wrong with that thing. And you know what eventually begins to happen is? You begin to think there's something wrong with you. But in reality, what it was is, at one moment you're allowing God to use you, and the other moment you're getting back in the flesh. And then all of a sudden we begin to, even in the church, we begin to have this identity issue because one moment we're in Christ and one moment we're in ourselves. One moment we feel like we're doing great things, and the next moment we feel like we sound horrible. And we don't understand why one moment we're, we feel like we're high on top of the world, and the other moment we feel like we're in the pits. And one moment we feel like we're doing great, and the next moment we feel miserable. But maybe it's not because of, uh, of there's something wrong with us, but maybe it's because of the fact of who we're allowing to use us. And one moment we allow God to use us, and the next moment we get back in the flesh and we try to use ourselves again. And then we wonder why things are messing up or why, why I used to be happy with, with who I was or I used to, to find great joy in serving God, but now I just don't find it anymore. A lot of times individuals begin serving, and when they serve in ministry in some capacity, before you know it, they start doing it in the natural and in the flesh rather than in Christ Jesus, and before you know it, they get miserable, and then they find no joy in it. Before you know it, they're miserable. And they go, I don't know why this doesn't make me happy anymore because used to, I found happiness in this. No, you found happiness in doing what God's called you to do, being in Him and allowing Him to use you. But when you try to do it on your own, there's no joy left in it. It becomes a job. But when will we get to a place that we realize... We need Christ in every area of our life, in all that we do. It doesn't mean that there's not moments that you're going to make a mistake and do something in the flesh. It doesn't mean that there's not moments that you're not going to get upset. It doesn't mean that there's not moments that you're this or that. But, but what he's saying here, he's like, here, stop purposely getting out of the Spirit. Stop purposely going back to the old man who you used to be. 
Stop trying to go back to the old man and come into the new and go back to the old and come into the new because now you're wavering. Now you're unstable. And all of a sudden when we become, become unstable, well, we begin to think that it was actually Christ that's not doing his job when in reality it's not us giving our life to Christ to be able to do his job. And before you know it over time, you see people throwing the towel. You know why a lot of ministers, people in ministry, throw in the towel? Because they got in it for God. And before you know it, they're looking for the reward from man rather than the reward from him. Before you know it, over time what's happening is, is you do it for Christ, but then you begin seeing the worldly reward rather than the reward you can't sing be stored up for you in heaven. And when things don't go the way that you think that they should in the natural, you begin to just throw the towel out. You begin to say, this isn't working. I'm not, I'm not happy in ministry anymore. We see pastors, over the years we've seen pastors commit suicide because they're miserable in ministry. Why? I think it's because they started trying to please people rather than please God. And when you try to please people, let me tell you, I mean, I could get up here and say one thing, and let me tell you, there's going to be somebody who don't agree with it or somebody that's mad. I get up here and, and, and pe preach a, a faith message, and people are going to you know what, Pastor, I don't agree with that. I can come up and preach a watered-down message. You're going to get the other people saying, I don't agree with that. It don't matter. I, I've come to the conclusion, just don't try to please people and just listen to God. Amen. And when you listen to God, you're already pleasing he who wants to be pleased. But it says, without faith, you can't please God. So when I come in here to do what Christ has called me to do, I make sure I have faith that the words that are spoken will be released and change lives when I'm just allowing myself to be an instrument that really can't play itself, but allowing God to use me. And I have the faith that when I stand up here, that God will use me and do what he's called me to do all by his hand and his strength, and just by me having faith that he'll do that, guess what? It's pleasing him. How exciting is that, that it pleases God, that I can step back and get out of the way and say, God, I have faith that you'll do what you want to do today. I get out of the way and it pleases God. Just by my faith. Why? Because without faith, you can't please him. Now all of a sudden you realize that you can go out. It's not about your works. It's not about the things that you do. It's not about the results. It's about you taking the faith with you when you do what God's called you to do that pleases him. You can do nice things all day long. But you know what? I know a lot of people in the world that do nice things all day long. But the nice things without faith doesn't please God. Why do so many charitable things and so many great things? Do you have faith when you're doing it? Are you stepping out in faith, believing God to do something? Or are you just doing things? And maybe a lot of people come into church, even pastors, to preach a message. They don't have faith that it will change anybody's lives. I wonder if it's even pleasing God. When you disciple someone, I'm telling you what. Brother Devon, you can agree with me here. That's when we disciple people. Sometimes we got to step back. Because sometimes we don't have the faith that their lives are going to be changed. Not that we don't have the faith in God, but we don't have the faith in people. 
And then we have to go back and say, but God, I know that it's not me discipling them. Father, it's you working through me to disciple them. Therefore, it's not by my strength or my power to change their life, but I know that you have the strength and the power to change anyone's life. Because there are some people that just seem too hard to get to. Now listen, ain't nobody in here. I don't want anybody to say, I wonder if he's talking about me right now. If you in here, you probably already come a long ways. But how often is it that we, and I've said that before. I said, it's not that I don't have faith in God. I don't have faith in man. But I have enough faith in God to know that God can speak through me or you or whoever else and use his power to flow through us to make a beautiful sound that changes their life. And then all of a sudden, in the midst of it, you begin to say, God, I can reach anybody that you want me to reach because it's not by my strength, it's not by my power, but it's by yours. And then up here right now, we have all kinds of different types of people different backgrounds, different everything. You've gone through things that I've never gone through in my life that maybe I couldn't even imagine going through, that I couldn't even relate to you. But it doesn't matter what I've gone through. It matters that he's already taken it all on the cross for you. He's already brought it there. He's already died for it. He's left your pain there. It says that he's even healed you already, but all you got to do is receive it. So it doesn't matter if I, you may say, well, the pastor doesn't know what I'm going through. He, doesn't, he would never even understand if I told him. It doesn't matter because he who speaks through us already knows. He who is in here changing lives already knows everything about you. He already died for you so that you'd accept him. And I leave you with this today, church. When we hang on to things, it doesn't fulfill us. When we hang on to things, it makes us think we need more. We hang on to, to, to good things in our life that we won't let go for God. We feel like we need more of it. When we hang on to the hurt, you know what it does? It actually brings forth more hurt. But so often, good or the bad, when you hang on to it, it doesn't bring forth joy and it doesn't bring forth what God's trying to bring forth. He's waiting for you to let it go. You may say, but I'm really good in this area. You think you're good in that area, just imagine how much better you'd be when you give it to God. You may say, but I'm a mess in this area. I can't fix it. I've been trying my whole life. That's the problem. How do I know? Because I've been there. I tried my whole life, and it did nothing for me. But then the moment I had nothing, but I had Jesus, I realized it's all that I needed. I ended up finding it all in him, and it wasn't about the things of the world. It was all about him. I couldn't even enjoy the things of the world without him. Because even doing the things that you thought brought you joy, it was still miserable. There was something in you feeling empty and feeling alone. You could be surrounded by thousands of people and still feel alone. When people say they're lonely, what are you lonely? You've been with tons of people all day, I just feel so lonely. Because there's a feeling of loneliness because you don't have he who's been created to walk with you in you. You weren't created to walk alone. You weren't created. Then all of a sudden, when you're in the midst of a bunch of people and you have Christ Jesus, you don't feel alone. And what's so powerful is when you're all alone with no other people around but you have Christ Jesus, you still don't feel alone.
because you have he who had, was <laughs> created you to literally walk with him. And our lives were designed to walk with God in everything that we do. Therefore, don't hang on to things. Give it to God. Allow him to have every area of your life. And when you give it, there's something greater you receive inside that begins to fulfill you. The more you give, the more you're able to give. The more you hold on to, the more you'll want. Therefore, you'll never be satisfied until you give yourself away. And when you give yourself away, you finally begin to find yourself. You say you mean about doing good things? Well, that too. But it starts with giving yourself to Jesus. Making a decision to say, I can't do life without you. Much less make it to eternity in heaven without you. And it's sitting there saying, God, I'm going to give myself to you. Because all my life I've tried to do this on my own and it hasn't been good. Or maybe you say, it's been okay, but man... If I was designed to do this without, with you rather than without you, I can't imagine how much greater my life would be with you. And all of a sudden, even when storms come in the midst of trials, in the midst of problems, you all of a sudden feel yourself not being alone. You all of a sudden feel yourself being able to make it through the hard times because now you're in a place that, that you know that there's someone on your side that can see the outcome, that knows the outcome, that has the power to get you through it. And all of a sudden, through everything that you go through, he can literally just bring you peace. I mean, there may still be things come against you. There may still be problems. But in the midst of it, you go, but I'm not alone. But I have Christ on my side. When you give yourself away, you finally begin to find yourself. We get this false idea that we need to hang on to ourselves to find more. But in reality, it's about giving ourselves away when we truly find more.